today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Beloved, popularity cannot be the process. The luck of the draw cannot be the process. The wisdom of man cannot be the process. It has to be by the move and by the call and by the anointing and by the sending of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that happen? You've got a group of folks that are sitting there praying and seeking the Lord. Do they suddenly hear, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul? I don't know, maybe. But more than likely what had happened is the Lord spoke to one or two of the individuals. Chances are you've had your fair share of moments in life where you needed to make an extremely big decision. While many of us deal with these in fervent prayer and counsel, things tend to get a little more complicated when large decisions involve several people. In today's message, Pastor David reflects on the importance of prayer and heavenly wisdom rather than worldly emotions. In his study, you'll learn about the replacement of Judas Iscariot and the diligent prayers of the apostles during the process. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Move of God or The Move of Man. leader of the church at Jerusalem during the time of Paul's uh, missionary uh, journeys is the man James. And James was actually one of the half-brothers of our Lord. So now, next we're going to move into moving on. We're actually going to move into a section of Scripture that I really wish that they had left out. It's hard to fully understand the purpose of why Peter is going to do what Peter is about to do, other than the fact that Peter was always the kind of guy that when he didn't know what he was supposed to do, he would do something anyway, okay? Or if Peter didn't know quite what to say, he'd say something anyway. I can relate, okay? I I know exactly where the brother is. I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself just doing something to do something or saying something because I think something just needs to be said, it usually ends up wrong. It usually goes the wrong way. It's it's hard to understand uh, for me uh, that that the, the act of Peter coming up here is actually from the Lord. Now, there's a lot of debate on this. This is not a salvation issue. This is probably not even an important issue, and I'm probably gonna put more time on this this morning than it really deserves, but bear with me if you would. Verse 15, it said, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120, and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Okay, so Peter seems to be right here. This this is not a problem. 
What happened with Judas was actually fulfilled. Uh, it, was, it was a fulfillment of the prophetic word. That I don't doubt. But before we even go on here, before Luke even goes on, Luke actually puts in this other little side note over here to kind of help and explain what happened to Judas after he had betrayed Jesus. Luke tells us verse 18, again, in kind of a, a side note. Now this man, speaking of Judas, this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. I was going to paint you a word picture, but I decided to not worry about it. Well, just all of his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called, in their own language, Akeldama. That is the field of blood. Now, when you look at Matthew's gospel account, we read that after Judas had betrayed the Lord, it says that he threw down the pieces of silver there in the temple and he departed, and he went out and hanged himself. The chief priests then took the money thrown down in the temple. This is Matthew 27. They consulted together, and they, the chief priests, bought with them, bought with that money, the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Now, some say that that's a big conflict for, with what Luke writes here in Acts and with what Matthew says there in Matthew. Luke says here in Acts that, you know, he cast down and, and all of his entrails gushed out. Matthew tells us, no, he went out and hung himself. Luke tells us that he bought a field. Uh, Matthew tells us that, no, the chief priest bought the field. Well, it, it seems like a conflict until you can kind of pull everything together, and it's pretty well resolved uh, just with some, some understanding. I believe it's very simply laid out that Judas went and he hung himself. But more than likely, perhaps the branch didn't hold. Uh, it broke and fall. Then we get into, again, the, this verse, the, the falling headlong. He burst open in the middle and all of his entrails gushed out. That became the very field that was formerly known as the potter's field. A little bit later, it became known as the field of blood. But the money that was used to purchase that field, and the chief priest purchased it, was actually Judas's money that he threw back into the temple. And the chief priest didn't want to have anything to do with it. They said, we can't accept blood money. And so they used that money to go and buy that field. So again, it was Judas, Judas's money that bought the field. The chief priest bought it. So I don't think there's much of a conflict there. That's not the thing that I'm concerned about. That's not the thing that I'm saying I wish wasn't in here. The thing that I wish wasn't in here, we'll get back to the issue here of Peter trying to replace Judas's position in order to maintain the 12 as, as the number of disciples or apostles. Peter continues on with his reasoning. Now we're out of that side note of Luke's. Go back to verse 20. Peter declaring here, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, the first question I ask, where did these requirements come from? His requirements that he put out, he says, 
they had to have a very similar fellowship or relationship with Jesus like the other disciples. And then secondly, they had to be with Jesus from the time of his baptism until his resurrection. So where, where did that requirement come from? We don't read that anywhere except here. Well, in that upper room of those 120 others that were there, apparently there were only two men or at least two men that fulfilled that position, two that they called attention to. Look at verse 23. They proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. In verse 24, catch this, and they prayed and they said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen, that you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Verse 26, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. They prayed about it, they cast lots, and then they appointed Matthias. Now the major interest or the question that I have is here, as we look through the gospel accounts, Matthew, Luke, Mark, Luke, John, all four of the gospel accounts, as we look through those, as we read about the life and the ministry of Jesus and those that were with him, we, we see a number of names that are, that are listed through it there, not only the names of the disciples, but multiple names of others who had become a part of that group. But you know what? We don't read about Matthias at all. Apparently, he was with the group, though, beginning from the baptism of John all the way to the resurrection. Very possibly, he was one of those that Jesus sent out. Remember the 70 two by two? Those guys aren't named. Very possibly, he was one of those. So we don't find him in the gospel reports, but then when we go and start looking at the letters to the churches, we, we read uh, Paul's letters to the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, the Ephesians, uh, the Church of Galatia. We, we look at the book of, of Romans. We look at the names that Paul lists all through these various and assorted different letters to the churches. And in looking for Matthias' name, he's not listed at all. Not listed anywhere. He's not even listed in what John writes in John's uh, letters to the churches. Uh, James doesn't write about him. Oh, and neither does Peter, the Peter, the one that seemed to be kind of in charge that day. He's not listed there at all. So let's go back to the book of Acts. What we find throughout, the, when we look at the book of Acts, we find from chapter one all the way through chapter 28 that his name is listed there. As a matter of fact, it's listed twice. Both of them we just read right here in chapter one. Both times right here. Verse 23, they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And then in verse 26, they cast lots, the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That's all we read of him. So the question is, did Peter mess up by, by trying to appoint somebody into that position? The practice of casting lots, the last time that we read about it in Scripture, prior to here in Acts, the last time that we read about casting lots was the Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross uh, casting lots, trying to figure out who's going to get the cloak of Jesus. 
Oh, and by the way, that, that was the time before this. Now, from this time on, we never read about them casting lots ever again. This is, this is the, the last time. Was it that Peter messed up by moving on his own accord? He stood up, hey, we've got to take care of this thing. We've got to put, and there, there, there's a lot of writing about this as far as the reasonings why, and, and I can understand that. But he, he did this. What was the command of Jesus to them before he ascended into heaven? He said to wait, to wait. Nowhere did Jesus say, oh, listen, by the way, while you're waiting, why don't you guys get together, pray about it, and figure out who's going to fill Judas's position. Who picked the, uh, uh, the apostles? Who, who was it that, that, that chose them out of the multitude of the disciples that were following Jesus? Jesus. After a night of prayer to the Father, Jesus picked, uh, yeah, and he picked Judas. Yeah, but God had a reason for him too. Rather than waiting until the promise of the Father, rather than waiting until they're endued with power from on high. Far be it from me to judge, but... When you consider all that we read about this man, Matthias, or that we don't read, as the case may be, when we consider how the Lord Jesus was the one who had called each and every one of the other apostles, when we consider that after, after they had the promise of the Father, after they had been endued with power from on high, they made all of their future decisions in a whole different way. And again, far be it from me to judge. You tell me. There was another apostle that was called by Jesus himself. The apostle Paul. But even considering that, look with me at another passage here. We're going to do this pretty much in closing here. In Acts, a little bit further in Acts, Acts chapter 13. Now understand, after chapter 13, this is after the coming, after the filling of the Holy Spirit, after they're endued with power from on high, after the promise of the Father has come. Acts chapter 13. We read another decision where, or another time where a decision needed to be made. In Acts 13, beginning in verse one. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, Barnabas stood up and said, is that what yours says? No. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, they sent them away. Did you catch that in verse two, as, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, then the Holy Spirit spoke, and then they fasted some more and prayed some more. Then they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. And then verse four, and then being sent out by the elders of the church, they went, no, that's not what it says either, is it? Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. You see, there's a whole clear difference that's going on here. And regardless of what you think about Matthias, and I know that there, and, and again, this is not a hill I'm dying on. Uh, 
regardless of what you think about, there, there is a difference in the direction that the church needs to take in, in determining the directions that we as a church need to take. It's a difference that we as a church, we can't forget, we cannot bypass, we can't circumvent it, we can't deny it. If we do forget or bypass or circumvent or deny it, then we do it to our own hurt, we do it to the hurt and to the harm of the work of God and God's kingdom, we do it to the hurt and to the harm of the individuals that we either send out or that we promote or anoint or ordain. Beloved, popularity cannot be the process. The luck of the draw cannot be the process. The wisdom of man cannot be the process. It has to be by the move and by the call and by the anointing and by the sending of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that happen? You've got a group of folks that are sitting there praying and seeking the Lord. Do they suddenly hear, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul? I don't know, maybe. But more than likely what had happened is the Lord spoke to one or two of the individuals. You know what? I feel impressed that, that God is telling us set apart Barnabas and Saul. You know, I, another one says, you know, as we were praying, that, that's what came to me. That's what the Lord laid on my heart, that it was Barnabas and Saul that we need. And perhaps, again, verified by another one. Testing the spirits to make sure that it is the spirit of God, not the spirit of man. Confirmation by one or two or three others that, again, this is where it's supposed to be. Again, not a population or a popularity contest, not just the wisdom of man, but again, the, the, the unction of the Spirit of God within the lives of the children of God who are seeking God. Man, they are fasting, they are praying. Lord, what would you have us to do? What direction should we go? Where are we to go as the body of Christ? They are fasting and seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit by whatever means that he used said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And so they fasted some more, prayed some more, then laid hands on them. Beloved, that must always be the way that the church moves. The Spirit of God leading us, leading us in, in staff positions, leading us in leadership positions, leading us in sending out or supporting missionary endeavors, in, in outreaches, in, in, in all of the programs that we have, in all other ministries, because we are the body of Christ. We are the work of God's kingdom in this present world, and to be led by the wisdom and the logic of man is sheer uh, idiocy. How can the wisdom and the work and the power of man do the work of God. When God says, no, it's by my might and by my power. We need to be willing to stand and we need to be willing to wait. Wait until the Lord moves. And then we need to be willing to move forward in faith and sometimes in the midst of that, Lord, this doesn't make sense to us, but we have confirmation from your spirit that this is what you're saying. Lord, this doesn't make sense logically or according to our bank account or according to our other resources, but Lord, we just feel this is where you're calling. 
give us that leadership, give us that direction in clarity. And we make sure by the confirmation of others who are honest and seeking the Lord, who are mature in the faith, that this is the direction. Now through the years, I've 27 years in ministry here, I just want to tell you, I'd like to tell you this morning that every move that we've made as a ministry here has been led by the Holy Spirit of God. I would like to tell you that, but it would be an absolute lie, okay? There's been times that we've stepped out and, man, I thought it was the right thing to do. Turns out, no, it wasn't. It was a logic of man. Hey, the heart can be, the heart is deceitful. I, I can't trust that. There's got to be confirmation. There's been times that we've stepped out in, in what we thought was faith. And the Lord said, no, that, that really wasn't what I had in mind for you guys. And we saw that that ministry, well, that didn't go too far, or that particular program didn't go too far. But you know what? The Lord continues to teach me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm still in school. I didn't get over after those nine years. I'm still in school. And I'm still crying out, oh, help you, Lottie, or help me, Lottie. Because I want him to be the one that leads. I want him to be the one that leads me personally, my family, uh, in the ministry, for the ministry of it all. And above all things, that you would know that by the Spirit of God, he will lead. He will direct. And sometimes his direction is not comfortable. Can I get an amen on that one? Because some of you know in following the Lord's will, it brings you through some hard times. I've, the Apostle Paul, I've I got to close here, but uh, just, just think of the Apostle Paul. He was led by the Spirit of God, and he was, he was imprisoned, and he was beaten, and he was thrown to wild animals, and he had a shipwreck, but he's doing the will of God. Are you ready to do the will of God? Let me try that again. Are you ready to do the will of God? <laughs> Because it's not often, it's not often pleasurable, but I guarantee you, it is fulfilling and it will work and move in your life for his glory and for his honor. If you don't know Christ this morning, you don't have a clue what I'm speaking about because you're still lost in your sin. You might be trying to do a good thing. You might be trying to turn over a new leaf. You might be trying to do everything that you think is right. I, man, I, I go to church. I try to do the right things. But beloved, unless you are born again by the Spirit of God, the Word of God says that we are none of His. We've got to be born again. And that happens when we come by faith to accept complete and total the work of Jesus Christ as he gave his life as a sacrifice, as a payment for our sin. There's someone in here this morning that I know. You know that you're not part of the kingdom of God. You're trying to do it on your own efforts, on your own abilities. But beloved, it'll never work. Anything that we do in the flesh is temporary at best. It's when we come to that point of absolute surrender to God in our life, recognizing the fact that we're a sinner, that we need to be forgiven of our sin, and that we need salvation, and we cry out to Christ. Then and only then, can the promise of the Word of God become complete in your life.
Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.